and also being um, being focused in the areas that you need to because there's so many things to do as your business grows you can be pulled in multiple directions so it can be something as simple as learning to refocus and chunk your time into the things that need to be done in the right way rather than jumping backwards and forwards between tasks and having meetings on one day rather than split between the week. We are talking to Sean Winfield, the director and founder of Co Startup and Go. And we're talking all about directional coaching. Don't worry if you don't know what that means. I didn't. You'll find out soon. This is Tech Talks, the twice weekly technology podcast, now broadcasting in 2020. This is packed full of news and interviews with technology leaders. So if you're interested in the sector and want to find out more, this is the podcast for you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hello. Why do you look nervous, Sally? I thought you were going to do your introduction thing. Well, I will. I will. Okay. I'm not going to record it now. Don't give away the secrets of the show. <laughs> how was your How was your Christmas day? How was your Boxing Day? Oh, my my Boxing Day was better than my Christmas day. Yeah. I had the nice yeah my Boxing Day meal. I went for a gala meal on my unboxing day. A gala meal. A gala meal. What's a gala meal? Like. Like a dinner? Like a, a dinner. Yeah, a dinner. Like a fancy dinner. Right. It was so cool. Hang on, Boxing Day's all about cold meat leftovers. No? Mm-mm. Maybe that's just a bit... I mean, British. Boxing Day's pretty British, isn't it? Generally. Yeah, um, yeah but we've always celebrated Boxing Day, even yeah. back in South Africa, yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's all to do with giving servants boxes to take home to their families. Is that really what you want? Yeah, I think so. Someone's probably going to now tell me that I'm wrong when they listen to this, but I'm fairly (laughs) sure that it's like Victorian or Edwardian England, you know, servants within households would get Boxing Day off to go home to their families, and the person that was in charge of the household would give them a box of food to take home and cook with their families. And that's why it's Boxing Day. I love Boxing Day. It's great. You're just like still in a food coma from Christmas. Yeah. Just chill, do whatever you want, eat loads of food. So, so I mentioned this before, but I think it's funny. Like the, the listenership of the podcast jumped by, well, 110 on SoundCloud on Christmas Day to 230 on Boxing Day. So maybe there were people wow. who were just trying to get away from their families and plugging their headphones on. Yeah, just has like, I'm just going to try out my new headphones. Yeah, bye. bye. <laughs> Although it chucked it down on Boxing Day. It was shit. Mm, it was maybe people were just stuck in the house and listening to shit because... It was raining. I don't think it rained in Bristol. Oh, good for you. Was that with Eddie or your family? It was with Eddie. That was my first Christmas away from my own family. Oh, God. How's that? It was weird. I loved it, though. It was a lovely Christmas. You do, um, I, you do though, spend most of your day going, mm, we don't do it like that. Well, no, but in a good way, I yeah. think. In a good way. There were so many people. There were like 14 people there on Christmas Day. I felt so bad as mum had to cook so much food. Um, but yeah, we just spent the entire time like running around visiting loads of families. It was mm. quite tiring and drunk, so it's great. Yeah, I'm guessing that you often have spent Christmas away now. Um, yeah, yeah, I've spent Christmas away from my family a couple times. Um, I don't mind it though. I had a lot of Christmases with them when I was a kid. Now I'm- <laughs> <laughs> oh, a lot of love there. Yeah, a lot of love. Don't we all? You know. <laughs> oh dear, I've had plenty of those. I'm over it. <laughs> And on that seasonal good cheer message, it feels kind of cynical for the new year. Um, let's talk about today's interview. We'll we'll hand over to Sean and we'll have some thoughts on that afterwards and then we'll have some technology news. <clears throat> Just a side note. Um, I think every day is important for family. Like, I see my family enough. I don't have to see them on Christmas particularly. So, just saying that. Thank you for that additional note. <laughs> 
So on today's podcast, we're talking to Sean. Uh, Sean, you're the director and founder of Co Startup and Go, and you yes. describe yourself as a startup directional coach. That's right. What is a startup directional coach? Yes. Good starting question. I think um, a startup directional coach is someone who helps, who works with startups, hence the name, who helps to give them the direction needed to help drive their business forward. So. Mm. With a, with a coaching, you can have sort of coaches that are non-directional and they elicit the answers and help you gain the true core answers that, that you want for what you're looking to do. And while we obviously do, I do work with, with startups and making sure that it is their vision and mission ultimate goal, it's more directional. So it answers some of the questions that they need answering to help see them in the right direction, bringing in experience from having worked with numerous startups before, as in, okay, I'm at this point in my business, how do I take it to the next point and what do I need to do to get there? So I suppose beyond just the very high level, what do I need to do to get there? Mm. Quite interesting to know what kind of questions those people do actually come to you with. So it, it can vary really. Um, mm -hmm. Quite often it's founders who are very busy, yeah, yeah. they've got to the point yeah, yeah. where they're working 99% of their time, they're not able to think further than just doing what they have to do on a daily basis. Mm. So a lot of the questions can be, okay, I'm maxed out, I'm, I'm, I'm working really hard on my business, my team is maxed out, I need to figure out what I need to do to free my time up is a big one. Um, free my mindset up to be the best version of myself and then they can see clearly where they need to go. So it's the whole sort of woods for the trees analogy, you know, they, they, they're continuously cutting through, they need to be able to see over the top. So quite mm. often when a, a founder or CEO um, comes to me, it's like, I'm, I'm incredibly busy at first point, I just need to see how I can free my time up a little bit to see where I need to go next. Um, and then in terms of some of the things, you know, it can be, uh, we've got a really, we've got a really great product here. Um, how do we, how do we uh, create more of the same success and, and, and drive our business forward and taking the time to look at what the processes have been, how that success has come about and um, helping them see what the, the duplication is and the team needed around that to help drive that idea forward. So the people that come in and talk to you, they are founders of businesses, are they predominantly CEOs or not? Yeah, it can be, it's very varied actually, because mm. I, I do also, I, the, the, I do the directional coaching, the stuff of directional coaching, it can sometimes be scale-ups, but I also do a lot of mentoring, which is similar, a similar style, to be honest with you, and a lot of the, the founders are very young, um, quite, off, quite a lot are, are quite young, definitely with the mentoring side. Um, they've been freelancing and realised they're actually doing quite well or want to run their own business. Yes. And how do they go from, quite often a big one for, for the mentoring clients is how do I go from freelance to a business? Uh, a high percentage of that is mindset, as in you're now a business, now you don't have to work off the cuff and sort of hustle so much. It's like you mm -hmm. have to work out what you're actually selling and what you're actually doing and turning it into a business. Um, and then, yeah, the other side is actually the, the business, the, the facts of setting up a business and how, how do you do that and driving that forward. And on that second front, yeah. is your advice sometimes, you're absolutely brilliant at this aspect. Maybe it's around the product itself, but you're not a CEO. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, uh, yeah, to, to properly answer your question, the CEO side, I think it's just, it's quite a snazzy name, isn't it? I think yeah. you're a CEO when you're, got a flipping big company and you've done you know you've got a big team under you and you are actually directing the overarching strategy and being a CEO because you can be a brilliant founder with a brilliant idea 
and execute it without having the business acumen, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I suppose, yeah, I mean, you can, you can execute it without the business acumen and it will see how far you go with that. So I think it's talking about the whole title side of things. Mm. I think, and it don't tend to sort of focus on, on, on the title. So I see a lot of, I do see a fair few young CEOs who are definitely not CEOs and God, goodness, I know I'm a director. I'm, I'm pretty much in my business and on the business at the same time. And I think your title, if you have to go into that, if that's your thing, it has to be reflective of what you do actually do and the level that you're working at. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I think that for the varied people that I've seen, anyone can, start a business and with the right focus and direction and self-improvement and focus on the business and where it needs to go you can be a success but you've got to get all the ingredients at the same in at the same time so you can have a great idea you can have some experience in your background like you know i've done the freelancing for example i've been a great designer and that's what i'd like to do and i'd like to go in and create an, an agency now mm. so half of the battle is oh well i've been so used to just hustling and being paid how do i how do i turn this into a business and how do i invoice or how does that work what agreements do i need what's the structure and also the mindset so you can be a great designer but what if you haven't you're not on your a-game so if you don't you don't get up you don't you know you don't get up on time or you don't hit hit the target you don't deliver what you're meant to be doing on a daily or weekly basis and you're not organized or you're not at your peak optimum health or you know all these different things you've got to be on your a game as well to also be successful i think um so you deal with startups but you also deal with scale-ups yes what at what stage do people tend to come to you and have a conversation with you about getting help and is it is it always well timed? Is it some? I would imagine that most of the time it's it's probably after the event that, that they needed to come and talk to you about necessarily uh, initially anyway. Yeah, quite a lot. Quite a lot of time. The similarities between the two is either uh, a lack of time to be able to do the next thing that's needed. So whether if it's startup, it's I don't have the time or, or maybe the skills to do this or or the time to be able to or the or the space in my mind to be able to see what I need to do and it's the same with scale-ups it is that tipping point so at the beginning of a startup you've got all the time in the world yeah I can do this let's build this up and they build the business up and you know get busier and busier and then you bring the team in and again you get busier and busier and then as you head to the the scale-up phase that's it again you're incredibly busy you can't think straight it is that tipping point quite a lot where where I see people where I'm massively busy and we need to scale up, we need to get some more people in, but I also need to understand what has made this business successful mm. so that as we grow, it's in the right way. Um, so quite a lot of it's a tipping point, but what is tipping point to, to an entrepreneur who's continuously driven and will always fill the space up with, that, that's there? Um, yes, but it's, it's, it is it's quite often, I'm massively busy, I'm really excited about where the business is, but I now need to grow it and it might be the case of, okay, so they have five or six people in that's become the core team with more of a focus on the, the outreach to sales, the biz dev side mm. of things. And they now need to think about what are the lean systems and processes that we need to put in place to save and reduce the time spent on basic admin or, or repeated tasks that the business and the founder or the CEO, whatever everyone calls themselves, are doing. Streamline that down and then very much see where their success model is and, and duplicate that to, to the scale. Are, are there any particular areas of the business that the, that founder tends to get a bit bogged down in or is it, is it quite general? Is there, is there a real defined pattern there? Interestingly, it can actually be quite often just doing too much all at once and the, right. the time the whole time management side of it well i suppose it's their baby they don't want to give it yeah. up right yes well is that they, they that's actually that's actually very true so a lot of it is that is letting go um and and it's interesting because yeah when you built up a company and it starts to do really well you still you still want to be involved yourself and 
you can have a completely competent team around you, but still like, yeah, well, I kind of like doing that bit. And it's, it is, it's about letting go and letting other people do it. And, and also being, um, being focused in the areas that you need to, because there's so many things to do as your business grows, you can be pulled in multiple directions. So it can be something as simple as learning to refocus and chunk your time into the things that need to be done in the right way, rather than jumping backwards and forwards between tasks and having meetings on one day rather than split between the week and um yeah just just being generally more organized and, and using so time a bit better in in that coaching role am i right in thinking that it's an individual who initially comes to you saying that they might need some help but yeah i would assume you end up working with their wider team yes some, as much as anything yeah some sometimes we do yeah uh, sometimes we do um it can depend some it starts as i said it start it can very much start with the with the founder in terms of okay what are you doing what have you got on your plate and how do we reduce the time you're spending on things and quite often that can be they can go out and re-delegate to, to to the team without having to do that sometimes yeah we do um go in and work sometimes with the team or have a chat with them about what we discuss but quite often it is just the founder and the ceo if, if you do talk to the team what, what challenges tend to be thrown up um i think in terms of challenges no not for this I think it's just a, really a whole time thing when a company is really, really busy. Everyone's stretched doing multiple things. It's that whole tipping point of everyone. You, in, in fact, the, the, the best way to handle that really, from, from my experience and what I've, what I've noticed is you just need to talk to the team and just say, look, it's about to get incredibly busy as we grow. Mm. So there will be this point where you are going to all feel like you're doing a bit more than you should do or can do. Please keep me posted with it as we grow. And quite often we see that that hasn't been the case and then you've got team members pretty knackered and not quite clear on where things are going no it needs to be the business needs to be needs to grow and drive forwards but also they're only going to be as clear on the where the business is going as the business is and the founder is themselves as well so quite often it can be um, a nice opportunity to be able to talk about how how time is spent who who's who's the best for which roles often it can be people who are in multiple roles doing multiple things um, so maybe it's someone at person X who needs to come in and take over the, a particular area and free up the people who, when they first came in, were doing all the things that they really enjoyed. And as they've grown, um, you know, perhaps they're, they're, what they've been working on has become a bit more diverse. So look, we're working in a co sorry, we're sitting in a co-working space rather, um, over near, well, between Holborn and, and, and Tottenham Court Road. What's the attraction for you, other than I suppose there's a lot of startups here and scale-ups, yeah. but why is it that this type of working environment do you think is so conducive to this sort of work? Yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the culture and the type of people that come to these sort of spaces. I mean, I'm, I, I sit very firmly in the co-working space ecosystem with the business that we have um, and the way that we work in a more flexible, um, you know, a flexible way with, with our startups rather than the sort of sitting in a, at a desk and, and forming a, a formal team. So with the very fact that co-working spaces offers opportunity for you to work from multiple different places wherever you need to meet people at, at will or at whim, at <laughs> will and whim, um, and, uh, you know, um, have the flexibility to, to work and grow their businesses in you know from from a desk through to an office whatever that might be really easily it's it's very much in line with how the way of working i think should be um i think there should be opportunity to to grow and, and use the community around you to, to to learn and develop individually and as your business which is one of the reasons i think i do, I do find it fascinating though that you, 
in this space you don't have so much choice if you want this style of, of working environment. Yeah. I, I seem to spend half my time with the podcast kind of going into various different co-working spaces and they all seem similar. So as someone who works in them almost exclusively in terms of your time, what is it that makes some of them tick and some of them not be quite so interesting? I think... I think it's a, you know, it's a, it, it can be due to, down to the environment, but a lot of it is to do with the, the members and the team and the general vibe in the space. I think the I think the team on the front and the team on the floor um, very much dictate the sort of the, the take on how how the vibe is in the space. Um, I've worked with um, Main Yard Studios for quite a number of years, and they've got a fair few spaces sort of out of London, and um, they. They very, they're sort of one of the original sort of um, media creative spaces and they have really captured what the community, sense of community is all about. They have the sort of, the you know, a, a breakfast get-together, lunches. I mean, they, they all do lunch and learn. Everywhere, most places do lunch and learns, but they really capture it because the, the people on the ground, the, the people who are members all communicate, the team all speak to the members on quite often. So it's the spaces that really capture the connection between the people that are working there and using space and connecting people to another thing. It's, it's really useful. Do you um, find that happens quite serendipitously? or Because... Yeah. I wonder if people just kind of come into these places and you do look at them. Mm. We were talking, we were sitting at, sorry, we were standing by reception not too long ago uh, and you remarked on the fact it was busy and the receptionist said, well, it's busy but it's quiet and you do look across these spaces and everyone's kind of got their coffee, they've got their headphones yeah. on yeah. and I'm always kind of like, it is a community but everyone's also very plugged in in their own little world. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're right. I mean, they, they, this is why co-working spaces do put on events to reconnect some of the members that are in the spaces but do people go or you yeah. know I've, I've, I've been in somewhere it's like, oh yeah well they got drinks on but you know I'm quite busy I'm people get very kind of focused on what they're doing mm. they do they do attend I mean I, I, I am aware that as, as, as you said I and obviously I go to quite a few different co-working spaces and they, they do have to chivvy up the community side a little bit but that's because people are do have their head down and getting on with things but they, they do generally most events have people at them there are a core few people who do want to connect I mean it does look a bit odd going up to people going hey how are you doing when they're clearly not in the mood for having a chat about anything it no, just looks a bit odd but there are times when you know you do have really decent conversations with other like-minded entrepreneurs and just talking about hey what, what are you doing and it's, it's it is it is there is very much value in this, the co-working ecosystem. I think maybe more so, um, more easy to connect with people in the, the actual co-working, hot desking style area. Yes. I think when, when spaces have more, um, you know, the permanent offices, they, they, they tend to go in and they, I, I am aware from, from the community teams that I speak to on, on numerous occasions that the more off set offices they have, the more people just go in and get their head down and come out but it's the ones with co-working spaces that tend to have the animus community so look a last question I, I think would just be fascinating would be how you got into this particular role because a lot of people want to work in tech they want to work in the yes. startup space the scale-up space you're someone who's found an opportunity to work with a number of different clients not just in tech but yeah. obviously that is a big piece of what you're doing um how did you get from where you were? And if I'm right, you were you were a PA at one point, yeah. but then you've transitioned over a number of years into this role. Yeah. How did that happen? 
it just organically happened, which makes it an absolute pleasure to be doing. I mean, I never sort of set out to do what I'm doing today. I set out to continuously learn, grow, develop, and continuously enjoy what I do. But I didn't sort of set out to go. Oh, I'm going to end up with this company. And doing so you didn't really have a plan. It just kind of. It just yeah, it was an extension of my career. So yeah, you're right. I mean, I I've always been really focused on organising, and I, I I think actually interestingly. I've, I, I was looking over everything that I've done in my career and my business and the, the link is supporting and motivating others I think because I used to be in the fitness industry for five years mm. so personal training with people sort of Lehman Brothers and Warbirds I did notice that you had a lot of water and were drinking herbal tea there we go very, mm. very fit and healthy she says <laughs> um, so after the fitness industry I then sort of did I, I, I couldn't figure out why they, people weren't training so I did sort of NLP and coaching to try right. to further understand the winning mindset so that sort of thing always support and motivate is being there at the core and then, yeah, I, I did a number of, of years as sort of PA to CEOs and working with some of the most successful CEOs out there and picked up some, some and understood some awesome habits that they had, which I've brought to the coaching sessions today. Um, and then I went into operations and uh, really, you know, being one of the first few people in as a startup, I started to get quite a taste for being that all-encompassing person that just makes stuff happen. Mm. And again, that core thing of supporting and motivating, getting involved with something to make it into a bigger picture. Um, startups I really enjoyed in my career working in them because it's just you never quite know what's going to happen mm. but you just have to keep pushing forward and making it you know making making stuff happen and that's ended up where I, I was doing that in my career and then I did that multiple times and thought well wait a minute I'm going into jobs doing helping the company set up being all these different roles recruiting and then doing myself out of a job and I thought well that's not necessarily something I want to continue but I love this space so if someone wants to work for themselves, if someone wants to be a consultant and they're not sure about how to go about it, if you can give one nugget of advice in 10, 20 seconds, what, would it, what might it be? Um, be clear on what it is that you, you, you bring to the table for what you would be consulting and what's your experience, what drives you, what's your overarching vision and mission for what you want to achieve. There's a lot of consultants and people wanting to do things, but what is it that, what's the value that you would be bringing to the relationship and, and where do you, where, what's your ultimate vision and mission with, with everything and, and if there's a particular area? Yeah, yeah, focus on that. Well, look, Sean, thank you very much for giving up some time and talking to us today. Sure. Uh, enjoy your run into Christmas. Yes. It's only around the corner now. We're going to start hearing Christmas music everywhere, so you're yes. not going to. <laughs> look, thank you very much for your time. Cheers, thank you. Right, we were talking about Bill's brain uh, before Christmas, and then you watched it over Christmas, and I, I was actually reminded of Bill's brain and made a note when I was listening to this interview because oh. it talks about it's easy to max out time and you need time. And time is one of those things that Sean is talking to startup founders, scale-up founders, CEOs about. And yet, I one of the one of the lines in the Netflix documentary about Bill Gates that stuck with me is that the one commodity that he has exactly the same as everybody else has, despite all of his resources, time. is time. Yeah. And it's amazing how important time obviously is, no matter the size or scale or the level of resource you have. Yeah. No matter how much money you have can't buy more time yeah yeah it stands to reason that you might ask someone like Sean to come in and help you manage your time right yeah I feel like you can get really stuck in a rut a lot of the time as well if you're feeling really stressed out and you've got loads of things to do like you can just go into panic mode and overwork yourself all the time but if you get someone like that to come in and help you organize yourself better and manage your time better then it makes everyone's life a lot easier I think it's, it's very easy as well to spend time on the wrong... Well, what's that saying? Um, it's a work smart, not hard? 
Yeah. That, yeah, that's pretty much don't spend time on the wrong things. But it must be really hard if you're like, it's, it's hard enough in an everyday job where there's people around you doing the same thing. If you're building your own business and you've never oh had gosh. any experience of it, I mean, how are you supposed to know how you divide your time to certain tasks? Mm. Yeah. And you start a business because you're really passionate about something and there's, there must be really critical elements that make a business successful that frankly aren't sexy. Yeah, mm. you just need someone to come in and help you just organise your thoughts and I guess you don't have that experience you need someone else to use their experience to tell you what is important and what's actually going to make you successful rather than just like doing all the housekeeping essentially mm. I guess and how you know that, that thing of how you're supposed to lead a team with clarity if you're not even particularly clear yourself on where time needs to be spent yeah, just make it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she talks about the fact that as, as a business grows as well, you kind of bring someone in to do a particular job and that's the job that they enjoy. But then as the business grows, your role becomes more diverse. And if you think back to the Harvey Nash Technology Survey, that talks about kind of people getting stressed and mental pressures on people because they were splitting their time between juggling juggling too many splates. Yeah. Splates? Pates. Plates. <laughs> there we go, that word. Um, yeah, what else? Anything that you kind of stood out to you guys? We're just talking about the co-working space. Is that, that, is that the type of space we work in, hey? It's just an open plan floor. No, no. no. What is it? Okay, what like is that? Like a WeWork, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so a whole bunch of different entrepreneurs are all sitting in one room. Yeah, a whole, a whole bunch of different entrepreneurs, different companies, people working on different things, all sitting in a shared space. How does that add value if everyone's only... So this person's all working on their stuff, these people working on their stuff. What? How would you go up as being one entrepreneur to another entrepreneur and be like, oh, how's your day going? What are you doing? How can I fix my problem? And you're busy focusing on your own problem. I imagine like if you... like They have loads of like coffee stall, like cafes and things. If you like bump into someone there and be like, oh, how's your day going? Like, oh, stuck on this. And then you end up like chatting about random stuff and like could help each other with that, I guess. Wouldn't that be more distracting than productive? Well, look, I think that's a fair question. Like, there's loads and loads of different co-working spaces, and it is mm-hmm. kind of this idea that it's, it's a community, therefore you share, and you kind of go up to other people, and you find out what they're up to, and you kind of sh- you, you knowledge share when you're building a business. And, and I can definitely see that there's benefits. Like, we, we were talking a minute ago about how do you know what to spend your time on. If you're in a room with 15 other people doing the same thing, you might get tips, uh, helpful tips on what you need to do this. <laughs> Yes. Oh, For some reason, I can't it. talk. I was going to just gloss over that. Probably will anyway. Um, how do you know, you know, that one person might say, well, you need to think about tax. You need to think about, well, I don't know, um, accounting. You need to talk about HR at this moment in time, which you might not know on your own. But I've always wondered, there's so many different co-working offerings. How does one differentiate from the other? And how do they actually engender that in a way beyond just his, his free coffee? Mm. Or here's an event on a Friday night, stay mm. and have a beer. Because yeah. if I was to stay and have a beer, I think I'm quite outgoing, but I'd probably just talk to the people that I'm friendly with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, you just naturally like cluster together with people that you already know, right? And I don't know, I felt like... And these people was, are busy entrepreneurs, Yeah. They? I don't know, I don't know. I think there's a definite craze around it, and it's very cool, and I, it's very on trend. That's exactly what but I said. how that's effective that. it really is... I don't know. From going through the podcast and talking to people, I, I genuinely don't know how well they mix with others in co-working spaces. Yeah. And maybe I'll get told to be that I'm an idiot for saying that. Yeah, I know. If, I, if, like, if that was me and I was sat there with my laptop doing work, I would not I would not be going up to other people and just like starting conversations with people and not necessarily be as open to chatting to a random person. 
when I'm yeah. doing my work. Yeah, especially if it's your baby. I mean, and that point came up, like, when do you, when do you share, oh, sorry, I'm just sidetracking now. When do you start sharing your baby with other people when you start bringing on these new guys? Because um, I know when I was working on just, just self-projects, just opening yourself up to sharing those projects with people is so difficult. And now, I mean, she goes in there, I'm completely talking about a different topic, just by the way. Um, and she, she goes in there now and she tells these people, okay, you need to now let go, bring on more people, take stress away from your life, um, free up your time. But are these entrepreneurs doing that? Well, I think that's part of the problem that they run into when they don't free up yeah. enough time yeah. and they don't give people autonomy, then the company suffocates. Yeah. you Wasn't that part of the conversation with, was it Tech Talk Live or an event that we did? Um, I'm pretty sure they were talking about how difficult it was for startups and people just to watch their company change so much into something they yeah. love to become so corporate. Because if it's successful, eventually, that's I, just what happens. It's a question we've asked a million times. Like, you know, a founder is not necessarily the best CEO. Yeah, definitely not. I like the fact as well that this this job that she does now is just an extension out of what she did oh, already. Yeah, she was a PA. Yeah. Wow. How, do you, how does that even happen? Uh, <laughs> I think people just have a passion, and like we've seen in so many of these podcasts. Is when you say PA, do you mean PT? PT, 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 PT. Yes. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean PA. Sorry, backtrack. PT. I just don't. I don't see how that came. But again, though, it's great to see that someone's working in the tech sector, especially a female working in the tech sector who's bringing skills from something that ordinarily you, you wouldn't think mm-hmm. translates, but it does. Yeah, it's nice to see that it's so free to move around and just do what you're good at as well, rather than just be stuck in like a single career path. Yeah, whatever. this is the ladder, this is the journey yeah. you're set yeah. on. Yeah, it's nice. Would have been sucked to be our grandparents. It yeah, would. Uh, they stayed in their whole jobs, like their entire that one job their entire lives. Most yeah. people back then, didn't they? Sucks to be them. Although they did get cheap houses. Um, <laughs> and they didn't right. have to worry about climate change. No, they didn't. Have, well, yeah, they're they're at fault. They did this to us. Yeah, damn boomers. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I think with that, let's go to an advert break, and then when we come back, we've got um, a piece of technology news. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. We will start with this headline. What an insult. Uh, CES, the world's, probably arguably the world's largest consumer tech show, has named Ivanka Trump as a keynote speaker following years of um, accusation that they continually overlook women in tech as speakers at the conference. Look, I think this is quite interesting because you know that myself, Mark, Barney and Jake went to a Web Summit earlier in the year. We had a bit of a Web Summit debrief on the podcast and we talked like, what's the value of having like Akon on stage? What's the value of having Eric Cantona on stage at these conferences? Like yeah. if you're going to a tech conference, what is Eric Cantona really going to tell you about technology that is going to add real value when you're paying 
thousands of pounds on, on you know, often to go to these shows. Yeah. This isn't a comment on her politics. This is a comment on the fact that she's a person of privilege who knows very little about technology. And there are lots of women out there who know a hell of a lot more, who could add a lot more value. And this is a bit of a slap in the face when they've been calling for more uh, inclusion uh, at CES over previous years. Yeah. Like, I wonder why they chose her as well, of all people. And I think bringing in people like that could attract people who aren't necessarily as interested as well. Well, this is it. So, so um, Web Summit claims that 90% of its attendees are developers. Now, CES is a consumer tech show, but it's still a tech show. Mm. You still want the tech community to go. Well, the tech community really interested in, in, in what Ivanka Trump has to say. It's great for the publicity and the marketing. Yeah, but not necessarily the people who are actually going to it. It's and like, know your like, audience. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a good decision, to be honest. <laughs> I don't. I think, it's like they said, there must be thousands of other women in tech who actually know about tech and, like you said, can give like a really good insight into tech and, yeah, they chose Ivanka Trump. <laughs> if, I, if I'm not mistaken, isn't this something they've actually... Is this the first woman speaker? I don't know, no. It won't be the first woman but, speaker, but... but apparently, there, there's women that, that have wanted to speak at this, women that are much more qualified, and they, they've, so they've been given the waiting list. Mm. I just think this is a real slap in the face to them. I mean, here's, here's, a, here's a tweet... Um, this is a terrible choice on so many levels, but also was an insult to years and years of protesting how few women were invited to keynote and being told it was a pipeline problem, while similarly, uh, similarly uh, situated men were elevated. I can't talk today. Yeah. Uh, that was tech commentator Rachel Sklar. Um, that makes it so much more insulting as well. Yes, yeah, so it was a pipeline problem. Because that, that is blatantly a lie then. If they managed to get yeah. her to speak, exactly. they're like, Oh, we just, we just didn't want to choose you over a man. CES are one of the biggest tech consumer shows in the world, as we've said. Yeah. This podcast is a little gorilla podcast with zero marketing, and yet basically half of our guests have been women. To say that it's a pipeline problem is utter bullshit. Yeah, yeah. agreed. It is bullshit. And it's not like there aren't women out there like putting themselves out there to try and do it. I just don't understand why you wouldn't choose them. If no. they're just as qualified, maybe more qualified, I don't understand. But what, do we know why? Do we know why they chose her? Did it say? Why uh, they chose they her? will. They will probably give some... Let's have a quick Diplomatic look. Diplomatic approach to the... Um, we welcome her to the CES keynote stage as she shares her vision for technology's role in creating and enabling a workforce of the future. But is that what... No, but why? That's... Something that they've no said. Maybe she was on the waiting list. Yeah, I'm sure she wasn't. <laughs> I do. There is a line in this though, that I told you guys before uh, we hit record that I love. If we can have a female 007, yeah. uh, they can have an equally badass female keynote speaker uh, in the tech sector. Agree with that. Mm-hmm. 100%. So you are two reasonably young women. You have no interest in going to see Ivanka Trump speak about tech. No. I want nothing to do with the Trump family. Sorry, hashtag sorry. No, don't be sorry about that. They're dicks. Yeah, I know. Anyway, uh, on that note, (laughs) happy 2020! Happy New Year! (laughs)